Well, God is certainly faithful, isn't he? And I'm just so glad you're here. Man, the room really increased at 11 today. People showing up and we're glad that you're here. Uh, It's a good day. Would you stand with me? We're going to read from uh, Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 23. And I hope I'm going to work this clicker correctly. I am. Let's read together. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and he was scattering his seed. Some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell along rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered, because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word at once, receives it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it does bring life. I thank you, Lord, that we trust you, Lord, to lead and guide us using your word. We thank you that your word is a light among our, uh, along our path, Lord, to guide us. 
So, Lord, today I pray that your word would come alive in our hearts, that we would be encouraged by your word, Father, Lord, and that we would learn from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it is the new year, and we often think about beginnings, changes, resolutions, etc. And as we think about these things, they're mostly usually things that we want to do to better ourselves, things that make our life better. We think about our budget. Y'all yell at me if I get out of the light. He's going to be mad at me. I'm supposed to stay in the light over here. Um, stay in the light. Amen. As we think about these things, we think about what makes our lives better, things that we want to do to change to, to better ourselves. And oftentimes our resolutions last for some a week. For some, a bit longer. And for some of you, you're able to hold resolutions and keep them for a long time. Today, we're going to talk about one of the foundational pieces of having a relationship with Jesus Christ, and that is reading your Bible. There truly is nothing better than giving your heart to Jesus Christ. To grant him access and control of your life and to give him lordship of your life is one of the best things that you can ever do. But in order to give him lordship of your life, you've got to be willing to dig in and understand the truths and the things that he's asking you to do, the commands and the way he asks you to live your life. And the only way to do that is through the word. In our society, it is easy to find someone to follow and admire. We often are driven by the media toward the people with the most money, the most power, the most fame. And we give them powerful positions in our lives, and we rely on them for their wisdom and direction and guidance. We find them to be interesting, entertaining, (laughs) and quite wonderful. We find them to, to, to give us advice. But rarely do any of us ever have a chance to sit down, shake their hand, and have a conversation with any of them. But that's okay, because maintaining distance allows us just enough control so that we can follow someone else. Should we find a flaw in the person that we're following now or currently interested in? And helps us make sure that we're following suit with the largest crowd or what's in now. We are people who shy away from causing a rift or stirring up trouble. And quite frankly, it's easier to be told what to do and when to do it than to try to find a conviction to do the right thing on our own. It's easier to get behind someone with a large following and simply trust what they're doing than to hold ourselves accountable for our own actions and learn how to function under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Most of society today follows people like these or other people like these people on the screen. These are the experts on how to live your life. We vote the people into office with little or no information about them. We rally behind and idolize feel-good ideas because people say it's okay. But maybe you are a bit smarter than the average person. Okay? Maybe you are a bit wiser. And maybe you, you, you don't really care for nor follow any of these people on the screen. In fact, you've got this Christian thing down so well that you've decided to follow a bit more peculiar crowd. <laughs> and so 
You admire these people instead, and you follow them. You watch them intently, making sure that they never make any mistakes. And you're trusting that they're prepared to answer your questions and solve your problems 24-7. You have 24-hour access to any one of the leaders, although you're careful to choose which one you will will go to because you want to get the answer you want to hear rather than the answer you need to hear. And when you have a great idea for a new event or ministry, you expect one of these to embrace it with more enthusiasm and zeal than it was upon its conception. And do all the work behind it to get it going. Because after all, they only work on Sunday and you pay their salary. But perhaps you're even wiser than that. And instead of scrutinizing and rallying behind the leaders of society or manipulating and acting upon the skewed perspective of leadership within the church, maybe you decided that the answers and the roadmap to your life is in a collection of 66 books, 1,189 chapters of a book that points you to one person, Jesus Christ. It is so easy to fall into the trap of allowing other people to read and interpret Scripture for you. I am a visual learner, and so I've got an object lesson for us today. Would um, Isaac, would you mind coming up here because you're closest? I need this table to be turned around the other way. Is there a box showing on that side? A little bit. A little bit? That kills me. I don't like for things to show. Thomas, I'm going to ask you to come up here, man. Thomas has no idea. I'm going to invite him. Let's give Thomas a hand for coming up. That's it. That's perfect. Thank you. No, you're good. Thank you, Isaac. Let's give him a hand in Cheyenne. How many ever played with Legos? Yeah? This was a tower made by Josh Nickel. Josh, stand up. Josh has the largest Lego collection in the world. And so he built this for me. And this is a tower. And Thomas, I'm assuming that you are a good builder. So what I'm going to do is this is a model. Okay? This is a tower. And every piece of this tower is in that bag. And your job, you're going to have six minutes to assemble this tower. Okay? Exactly the way it is. Okay? All right, you got that? Okay. Just hold tight. I'm putting this model right here. Would you guys welcome my wife, Sherry O'Day? Come on up. Now, Sherry is possibly the best builder that I know. She got a drill for Christmas. I got a crock pot. Um, in that bag is every Lego piece you need to build that model over there, okay? Now, the difference between the two is that, Thomas, you are allowed to look at, touch, do whatever you want to the model on this side, okay? Sherry, you can only build your model based on what Thomas is building, okay? You can't look at all at this model. You got it? Okay, so we do we have a video ready, okay? So you're going to have the length of this video, which is six minutes, okay, to do this project. And when the video's over, we're going to see what progress you've made. You got it? Okay. Many times in life, you guys can start. Many times in life, we allow people to interpret Scripture for us. And let's see what happens when we do that. Hey, Arnaz, how you doing? Good to see you. Can you turn it up? What you doing sitting out here? Trying to steal something? What's wrong with you? 
grandmother died. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, baby. Now, April gonna send us back to foster camp. They gonna separate us. I'm all Manny and Byron got. <laughs> we separate. I don't know. I don't know what I'm gonna do. Calm yourself down, honey. Calm down. Get my worked up. Calm Can down. Can we stay with you? Huh? <coughs> Nobody wants us. That ain't true. Somebody wants you. I'm only 16. <laughs> I don't know how to handle all this. I'm tired. I don't... Living takes a lifetime. You got a whole lot more living to do, honey. Just gotta keep getting up every day and taking one day at a time. You'll make it. My grandma Rose used to tell us to pray about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what you ought to do, y'all. Pray about it. Talk to the Lord about it. That's what you ought to do. Yeah, but she only told it. She she never told me how to do it. Would you teach me? Please. Show you how to pray? Yeah. Oh, child, I ain't talked to God since the last time I saw a cop in my rearview mirror. I guess I can try. I can try to pray. You need to know the number? The the what? The number. The number? The caller. They say Jesus on the main line. I don't know the number. (laughs) Sit back, sit back. Okay. Bow your head. First, give an honor to God, to the head of my life. Um... Father, I stretch my hand to thee. Father God, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God of Shedrick, Meshach, and the billy goat who was in the fiery furnace that they barbecued on the day of Pentecost when the Jewish people returned from the Sabbath day up on the mountaintop in uh, Ethiopia. Uh, God of uh, Mary, <clears throat> J. Blige. Mary, that don't sound right. Huh? That don't, that don't sound right. That's not how Mama Rose used to do it. You ain't feeling? You ain't feel the anointing? No. Honey, listen, I don't know nothing about praying, but all praying is is talking to God, having a conversation with him. And at the end of your conversation, you say, in the name of Jesus, that's your stamp, that'll get it up there to him. Yeah. Okay. You know who you remind me of right now? You remind me of Peter in the Bible. You know who Peter was? Peter was one of the 12 disciplines. And uh, they were on a boat out on the Isle of the Greek uh, Atlantic Ocean. And when they was on this boat, the storm rose up and the 12 discipline, they got really, really worried and upset. They said, oh, Lord, what are we going to do? And they, they saw something coming to them on the water, looked like a ghost. But it wasn't a ghost, it was Jesus. And, and Peter said, Jesus, if that's you, let me come out there. Well, you got to be careful what you ask the Lord for. So Jesus said, come on out. So Peter stepped out of the boat and was walking on the water. He was walking on water. On the water, he was walking on the water toward Jesus. Long as he kept his eyes on him, he stayed on top of the water. He took his eyes off him, though. You know why? He got distracted. You know why he got distracted? 
See, this is what you got to do. When you got your eye on Jesus, you can't get distracted by nothing. Jonah passed by in the belly of the well. He looked down here at that well, free willy with Jonah inside the belly, and it made him distracted, so he started to sink. He said, Jesus, Jesus, help me, help me, Jesus. Jesus said, I can't. I got to go to Calvary. I'm late. So Jesus went on to the cross. He said, but don't worry. I'm going to send you a comforter. When the comforter comes, you're going you're gonna to be all right. So he's swimming. He trying to swim. He trying to swim. He just worried. And Jaws was coming. And all them Steve Spielberg had did that Jaws thing. And all them was around him. He was worried. You know what happened? Just in the nick of time. This is what I'm talking about. When you think you ain't going to make it, just in the nick of time, something happened. Noah came up in the arch. That's right. Noah came rolling up in the arch of, of St. Louis Arch. And he pulled right up beside him. <laughs> And he got on there. And he said, ooh, thank you for saving me. Peter, Noah said, no problem, man. Cool, what's up, fool? You know, so they spoke to each other. He said, come on, let me show you around. Because Noah had turned the arch into a cruise ship. Because uh, he didn't have nothing to do after he saved the world. And you know who was on there? Uh-uh. Eve. Eve? She was in the VIP section. Yeah, that's right. And uh, no, Peter asked to say, Eve, come on, go to the show. So she went to see this show. And uh, they had tigers. You know, they had two tigers, two bears, two lions. You know how they did that, the male and the female. Well, Siegfried and Roy, they was there. And they had the two lions. And them lions jumped out and scratched Eve. That's how Eve get them two paws right there. You ever see Eve with the paws? She got two paws right there. Read your Bible sometime, honey. Read your Bible. <laughs> All right. Amen. Continue going to let them continue because they were getting organized up here in the dark. So we're going to let them continue to go and we'll stop them in just a few minutes. You can see what happens whenever you easily give yourself into listening to someone's interpretation of the Bible. Let me tell you something. That was a funny sketch there, but that happens so many times in our lives. People want to speak into your life and they give you inaccurate information about scripture and you believe it because you have no foundation and the foundation comes from having a relationship with the word i sent out a survey this past week and the survey uh, was this and thank you for your responses a lot of you responded and the question was this what is the number one reason that believers would not read their bible on a regular basis and this is what you came up with number 10 we did the top 10 here better things to do don't have a bible Lack of understanding. Find it boring. Not a priority. Poor time management. Too many distractions. Too busy. Relying on the leader or the experts. And the number one reason that you came up with why believers would not read the Bible is no meaningful relationship. No meaningful relationship. I spoke to the issue of being a fan or a follower several months ago, and I believe in order to be a full, a, a true follower of Jesus Christ, you must have an active relationship with Him. And in order to have an active relationship with Him, it is essential to have a relationship with the Word. In the play Fiddler on the Roof in the small town of Anatepka, Tevia is the father of five girls. And of those five girls... The oldest, Zidal, is in love with this tailor named Model Camzoil. And there is this matchmaker in town named Yenta, and she hobbles around town making matches throughout the town because that was the tradition of their day. No one created their own match. 
Yenta went around and did these matches and then the fathers would meet and they would agree based on the dowry or, or, or not or whatever it would be. They would make the agreement and the marriage would be sealed. But on this particular occasion, Tevia's daughter Zidal was in love with another man. Was in love with this, this tailor model. And so she approaches Tevia, her father, and says, would you please let me marry him after he made the agreement? with the man named Laser Wolf that he was going to be married to. And taken by the love that Zidal had for model, she didn't want to marry Laser Wolf. And taken by the love that Tevia had with his daughter Zidal, he broke the agreement with Laser Wolf and allowed her to marry model. Now, the reason why those two situations played out is because there was a relationship between Zidal and Model, and between the dad, Tevya, and his daughter. How many know that love makes you do some pretty crazy things? Love makes you just do some crazy things. It boils down to a relationship. One of the largest indicators of how deep a relationship is with someone is how much you know them. Think about it. No one in this room knows Sherry better than I know Sherry. No one in this room knows Sherry better than I know Sherry. If you came to me today and said, Kevin, Sherry loved those chocolate truffles truffles I gave her for Christmas. She thought they tasted so good. They just melted in her mouth. I'm going to get her truffles every Christmas. You would be a liar. Because I know Sherry hasn't eaten chocolate in six years. I know my wife. I know things about my wife that lots of you don't know. Sherry likes to sing. She likes to paint. She likes to act. She likes to go on adventures. She loves to create things. She's extraordinarily embarrassed right now that I'm talking about her. (laughs) She has blue eyes, but not just any blue eyes. She has the most beautiful blue eyes given to any creature on this earth. She prefers almond milk over regular milk. She likes movies with popcorn, not kettle corn, but popcorn with butter. (laughs) She loves the Lord and she loves discussing the word. And one of her most favorite things is when I come home and tell her about my day and that I when I pray with her and pray for us and pray for our soon to be child. I know my wife. I know the surface stuff. I know the the most intimate things. I know what makes her happy and what grieves her heart. I know my wife. And the, the reason I know my wife is because I have a relationship with her. And I spend time with her. And I get to know her. And I love her. I know my wife. And as deep and as much as I know Sherry, I want to know Jesus Christ more than that. I want to know Jesus Christ more than that. And in order for me to love him the way I want to and I need to, I have to get, him to get to know him more and more. And the very best way to do that is to have a solid and consistent relationship with the word. Once you have established your relationship with the word, it becomes alive in ways that you cannot explain. That's what scripture says in Hebrews 4.12. It says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. This past Thursday, Sherry and I went to hear for the very first time the heartbeat of my baby. 
And there was a moment when the nurse was there with the ultrasound thing, and she was trying to find the place on, on Sherry's stomach, and, and I had her hand, and we didn't hear anything. And there was a moment, a very slight moment of nervousness as I was holding Sherry's hand that I'm not hearing anything. But when I heard that heartbeat, it was the best sound I have ever heard in my life. It came alive. Scripture will do this to you. When you get into Scripture and you begin to read and you begin to invite the Holy Spirit into that moment when you're reading Scripture, the Scriptures will come alive and speak to you in ways that you never thought imaginable. They will, they will speak to you and address specific issues and, and things in your life that you need answers to. And all of a sudden you think, I don't need to go see Pastor Ronnie about this because I found the answer in the Word. Let me tell you something. You have many leaders in your life and pastors are here to give you guidance and give you wisdom. But let me tell you, no spiritual leader in your life is worth their salt if they don't point you to the word. The word is the roadmap to our life, not people. People interpret the word through the Holy Spirit. Now, don't get me wrong. You need to be listening to your leaders. God has placed pastors in your life. God has placed people in your life to speak into your life. But everything should be checked off of the word. Everything, absolutely everything that you're basing your life should go based on what Scripture says and what the Word says for you. If you are a follower and have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Word holds a significant spot in your life. Most of my childhood background was in a Baptist church reading the King James Version of the Bible. And I can't say that I understood everything that I read out of the King James Version. But I did understand that the Bible was... The word of God. I understood that there was a connection between my Bible and the Jesus that I asked into my heart to come and save me. And I understood that if I was to know anything or learn anything about the story of Jesus Christ, I was going to have to open that word. And I was going to have to start reading those pages within. When I was little, my parents had a job that was in a, a third shift job. My brother and I were left at home from 12 o'clock to 7 in the morning. And, uh, and so I would take my Bible and I would read it and I would hold to it tightly and I would pray God to protect us through the night. And I would lay there on that top bunk bed and let me tell you how many nights that Bible brought me comfort. And it's not that it was just a book, but there, this book is alive. There's something to this book that's more special than any other book that's out there. And I would cling to that Bible. I remember a particular instance with, uh, when I was in fifth grade. And I remember I was a Southern conservative Baptist, so we didn't do these kind of things that I'm about to tell you. But I, I, I had the Bible, and I had, I had the, the, the little boy next, uh, next door to me. I so wanted him to go to church, and I so wanted him to know about Jesus. And, I, and, and sometimes I would take my Bible over, and I would tell him verses uh, in, in the Bible, and he would make fun of me for, for doing that. And he, he didn't really understand why I would do that. Well, one day, it was raining, and it was pouring outside. It was really storming bad. And he really wanted to go on this fishing trip with his dad. And so he was, he was just mad and frustrated and storming uh, off, off into the house or whatnot. And I went up to him and I said, well, why don't we pray and ask Jesus to, to make the clouds go away? To that, he laughed at me and he said, yeah, right. That's a bunch of baloney. And so I, uh, so I took my King James Bible and I, and I got on my jacket and my shoes and I went out into the, the, the cold, wet rain that was pouring. And I held my Bible up to the sky and I said, Jesus, make the clouds go away. Suddenly, they split and the sun came out. Automatically, they, it, it, my breath was taken away. 
And I jumped and I ran and I knocked on the door and I was like, oh, Brian, come out here, come out here. Look what happened. I prayed and he went away. He went away and he was so happy. Now, he didn't go to church with me that next Sunday. But I believe as much as I've held that story dear in my heart, I believe the Lord used that in his life. I believe the Lord used that in his life. The Bible, it's dear. And and, and many of you have stories. On numerous occasions, I've opened the Bible and I'll be struggling with something or going through something particular and the Lord will point me right to a verse and I'll read it. And it's just like he's the face of God as they're speaking right to me. Has anybody ever had that experience before? Amen. And so when he speaks to you, do you just close it and say, well, that was good. That was nice. Goosebumps. No, you act on that. And sometimes, let me tell you, the word tells me some things I don't want to hear. It's not all about goosebumps sometimes. Sometimes it's easier to go to the pastor and have him tell me (laughs) than to have God tell me. Many of you have stories about your relationship with the Word. In the month of November, Rhonda Frazier was listing what she was thankful for each day on her Facebook. And this was her post on 1128. On June 3rd, 1983, Michael Frazier gave me a Bible. It came so soon in our dating that I actually spelled his name wrong in the presented by line. Apparently, your books are not an excellent source of checking spellings of names. I have recorded the death of my grandparents and my mom's passing in it. And today I recorded the marriage of Daniel Frazier to Bethany Gray. It is worn and covered with notes of all kinds. I am thankful for my Bible and the way it feels in my hands and the way it feeds my soul and shapes my life. There's a heritage with the Word. When you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have a relationship with the Word. It is alive to you. It's a special component, a special part of of, of your relationship with the Lord. Jesus often taught using parables. And a parable is simply a story, an illustration, or a comparison designed to illustrate a point. And I chose the passage from Matthew 13 today because I like the illustration Jesus Jesus uses here with the farmer and the seed. And so we're going to go through this, uh, just a couple bullet points here. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom, this is what Jesus says, and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. You can't understand the message if you have no relationship. You are, you are the person who, if, if this is you, you are the person who opens the Bible and you can't make sense of anything that it's saying. You have no idea what it means or who it's about. You find difficulty in relating to it in any way. And so when the answers come and the word is given to you, it's quickly snatched away. These type of people don't read the word. Jesus continued and said, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. These are the people who allow other people to do the learning for them. These are the people who rely on pastors to have all of the answers for them. Don't mishear me again. Pastors are are there to lead and to guide, but leading and guiding is very different than tell me what I want to hear. And any spiritual leader, like I said before, worth his grain of salt is going to point you to the word. But because you are not learning and sinking on your own, you quickly fall away because you are not secure in your faith enough to press forward and learn and answer and do as Scripture says when trial and tribulation come. These people let other people read the Bible for them. 
The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but worries of this life and deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. These would be fans. These would be people who hear the truth, but do not put it into practice. These people have read the Bible. They know what it says, but they also know what the world says. And they have a foot on one side and foot on the other. And they can't decide which they want to choose. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what is sown. This person has a healthy relationship with the word and applies it daily to his or her life. What happens to your seed? What happens to your seed? Are you the person who allows other people to live the word out for you? Are you the person who allows someone else to do the learning? Are you a person who never even picks up the word? Are you someone who is in tandem and in step with the Lord because you are every day have a relationship and you're learning more and more about him? Some would say, Kevin, I have a desire to have a relationship with the word, but I just don't know how. And I want to give you six quick ways approaches to scripture that will help you. So as we approach God's word, number one, we want to approach it intentionally. When you go into the presence of the Lord, you want to go in there. When you open your Bible, you want to make a time, sit down, and don't let it just be happenstance. It's not that God can't speak in happenstance situations, but when you're prepared and you go in with the mindset of, I'm not going to have a distraction, I'm going to turn the cell phone off, I'm going to log off Facebook, I'm going to, I'm going to set everything aside, and I'm just going to spend time with the Lord. When you do that intentionally, it opens up the possibility for you to truly hear what the Holy Spirit's saying to you through the Scripture. So when you approach the word, approach it intentionally. Number two, approach the word as God breathed. As God breathed. There is no, approach the word as nothing less than God breathed. John says if he wrote ev- down every word of Jesus Christ, there would not be enough wor- volumes to contain it. There would not be enough volumes to contain the word. Second Timothy tells us that all scripture is God breathed. And it's good for the equipping of the saints to do every good work. There's nothing else like it. It stands alone. It is God-breathed. Number, number three, with the Spirit's feeling. Approach God word, God's Word with the Spirit's feeling. The table of contents is a very important page. The table of contents in your Bible is, why is it, why is it that sometimes words just jump off the page? Why does it seem that, uh, why does it seem that the, the, the word is, is, is dry sometimes? Or why does it seem like it's, it's saturated at times? Why does it feel like that I can get it? When you turn to the table of contents, it gives you a guide. It gives you a step-by-step. This is what this book is. This is where you find it. This is where you go. When somebody says, turn to book of John, don't be ashamed to look in the table of contents if you don't know where John is. Go to the table of contents. It's a tool there to help you get to where you need to go. And when you go there, enter into his presence, enter into that time with the Spirit's filling. God will reveal it by his Spirit. I want whatever God is offering. I want everything that he has for me. And if I go in with the Spirit's filling, knowing that the very essence of the word comes from his mouth, then he will speak to me. And as I go into it with the Spirit's Spirit's filling, I will understand that the matter of authority is established right in the beginning. God wants to establish the matter of authority right off the get-go. 
I don't know about you, but I have to establish the matter of authority in my life every single morning when I wake up. God wants to know that he's in control. He's going to let you do what you want to do, but he wants to know whether or not you're going to let him lead. And as you let him lead and him guide and him teach, then he'll open up truths to you that you've never seen before. Approach scripture as an invitation to dialogue. When God speaks, speak back. When God talks to you, talk to him back. God, I don't understand what this says. God, I need your help to understand why. I'm, God, you told me to read this. I'm on the reading plan. I've read this scripture. I don't get this. Lord, will you teach me? Will you train me? And if you're listening and if you really mean that prayer, God will show you what that means and why you read that. So many times have I looked at scripture and I've said, God, <laughs> okay, that's what that is. And within 24 hours, man, that scripture has come to life. There's a reason why he had me there. There's a reason why he had me read that. It, God is not interested in scholarship. He's interested in relationship. And with the relationship, it requires communication. And the communication is when you get into the word, you use that as a tool to say, okay, God, this is your very breath. This is your very mouth speaking to me. So speak to me in this moment. And I'm going to speak back to you. I don't get this. God, you can even, guess what? It's okay to tell God you don't like something. God, I don't like what you're saying here. I don't like what you're telling me to do here. I don't really care for this, God, too much. I'm going to do it because I know your word tells me to be obedient, but that person really got on my nerves. And I don't want to be understanding and compassionate right now. Will you give me the tools that I need? Will you give me the heart that I need? It begins to cultivate in you and make the soil pliable so that seed can fall and fruit can grow. In the list of the, book, in the, list of the weapons that we have as Christians, this is the only offensive weapon that we have. Every other weapon listed in Ephesians is defensive. The shield, the breastplate, everything. This is the only offensive weapon to have. Can you imagine if we all came in here with swords and we didn't know how to use them? And we just started swinging anywhere we wanted to? People would lose their heads. I remember a play here once. They were doing the sword or whatever, and it flew off the sword shaft and landed into that wall. That was a scary moment. <laughs> It's scary when people use the sword and they don't know how to use it. Get into the word and know. Boy, let me tell you something. And I'll, this is a little side note that I just thought of. If you are kind of new to getting into scripture, let it apply to your life for a while before you go around applying it to everybody else's life. Because <laughs> the first thing we want to do is get into the word and say, oh, that's good for them. I can't wait to go tell them what I read in my Bible today. Let it apply to you for a while before you feel the confidence enough to go around telling everybody else what it says about them. And number six, approach the word daily. We had 24 hours a day. And I know that the number one reason why we don't get into the word according to the survey was relationship, but a lot of it is because we don't make time, and we all know that. So today is January 1st, 2012. It's an opportunity. We make lots of resolutions. And some of you have made even a resolution that said, I'm going to get into the Word. I'm going to make a better commitment to the Word. I'm going to invite you to change the wording of your resolution, if that's you this morning. To I'm going to make a resolution to make my relationship with Jesus Christ more meaningful. And as you do that, you know that the number one thing for you to do is to get into the Word. Because the Word 
is how we know about Jesus Christ. It is the word, it is the contents of the word that we know the story, that we know what what to do, life's roadmap. It is the lamp on the path that we're to walk. It's the roadmap to life. Let's look at the models here. You guys haven't gotten very far. That's okay. As you look at Thomas's uh, model here, let me see what you've got, Sherry. Well, they look, they look kind of similar. <laughs> Do they? I told you Sherry's a good builder. But Thomas has this other section over here. Way to go, Thomas. All right, he's got something else over here. Sherry, what was the most difficult part of your job? Waiting. Sure. Waiting. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, answer this truthfully. Do you feel like you would be further ahead if you had the model? Probably than where I am. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Thomas had the model, and he's, he's putting it together. Here's the deal, guys. This is the model, and this is what kind of life looks like at times when we're not in the Word. Thomas has the model in front of him. He's trying to look at that. And Sherry, I could have had another set over here and told this person, you can't do anything except for look at Sherry's model. And you can just imagine that the person with the model is going to get done first because Sherry can't do anything until Thomas gets a piece on his thing. She can't do anything. She's got to sit there and wait. Well, let me tell you something. You don't have to wait Sunday to Sunday to Sunday to hear the word. You can get in the Word. Let me tell you something. There were a lot of times in our church that we knew what was coming up. We get, you get a bulletin through the email every week as a scripture right on there. You can come in here ready knowing that scripture. You can belt that thing when we read it on the screen because you know it because you've read it before you got here. Guys, the model that's set before us is for each of us. It's a personal relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. Then we come with that information and what God's given us, and we allow other people who have dug deeper, who have gotten in, who have other experiences and have seen things, to come and share their perspective. And then you allow the Holy Spirit to intertwine the two, and it makes a beautiful, beautiful thing as we learn how to walk in this Christian life. Thank you, guys. Give them a hand for helping today. I'm going to close with this. Maybe you're unfamiliar with the story, the gospel. The gospel literally means good news, and the gospel is good news. I challenge you today, some of you in this room, I do believe, some of you in this room have never opened the word. You read it more than you know, because if you come to this church, we read it every single week. I want to challenge you to open your word. If you haven't heard I read the story. I know that sometimes for me, when I go to see a movie before I say, I want to see a preview, it gives me a primer or whatever. And I have another video, a real short one, uh, that gives us a little primer of the gospel and what you're getting yourself into. If you haven't ever read the gospel before, watch this. And let me wet your palate a little. It's the full story of life crushed into four minutes. The entirety of humanity in the palm of your hand crushed into one sentence. Listen, it's intense, right? God, our sins, paying everyone life. The greatest story ever told that's hardly ever told. God. Yes? God. 
the maker and giver of life. And by life, I mean any and all manner and substance, seen and unseen, what can and can be touched, thoughts, image, emotions, love, atoms, and oceans, God. All of it is handiwork, one of which is masterpiece, made so uniquely that angels look curiously. The one thing in creation that was made with his imagery, the concept so cold, it's the reason I stay bold, how God breathed in a man and he became a living soul. Formed with the intent of being infinitely, intimately fond. Creator and creation held an eternal bond. And it was placed in perfect paradise till something went wrong. A species got deceived and started lusting for his job. An odd list of complaints. As if the system ain't working. And used that same breath he graciously gave us to curse him. And that sin seed spread through our soul's genome. And by nature of your nature... Your species, you participated in the mutiny, our, yes, our sins. It's nature inherited, black in the human heart. It was over before it started. Deceived from day one and led away by our own lust. There's not a religion in the world that doesn't agree that something's wrong with us. The question is, what is it and how do we fix it? Are we eternally separated from a God that may or may not have existed? But that's another subject. Let's keep grinding besides trying to prove God is like defending a lion, homie. It don't need your help. Just unlock the cage. Let's move on on how our debt can be paid. Short and sweet. The problem is sin. Yes, sin. It's a cancer. An asthma, choking out our life force, forcing separation from a perfect and holy God. And the only way to get back is to get back to perfection. But silly us, trying to pass the course of life without referring to a syllabus. This is us. Keep up your good deeds. Chant, pray, meditate. But all of that, of course, is spraying cologne on a corpse. Or you could choose to ignore it as if something don't stink. It's like stepping in dog poop and refusing to wipe your shoe. But all of that ends with how good is good enough. Take your silly list of good deeds and line them up against perfection. Good luck. That's life past your pay grade. The cost of your soul, you ain't got a big enough piggy bank. But you could give it a shot. But I suggest you throw away the list. Because even your good acts are an extension of your selfishness. But here's where it gets interesting. I hope you're closely listening. Please don't get it twisted. It's what makes our faith unique. Here's what God says as part A of the gospel. You can't fix yourself. Quit trying. It's impossible. Sin brings death. Give God his breath back. You owe him. Eternally separated. And the only way to fix it is someone die in your place. And that someone got to be perfect. Or the payment ain't permanent. So if and when you find a perfect person, get him or her to willingly trade their perfection for your sin and death in. Clearly, since the only one that can meet God's criteria is God, God sent himself as Jesus to pay the cost for us. His righteousness his death functions as payment. Yes, payment. Wrote a check with his life, but at the resurrection we all cheered because that means the check cleared. Pierced feet, pierced hands, blood-stained son of man, fullness, forgiveness, free passage into the promised land. That same breath that God breathed into us, God gave up to redeem us. 
and anyone and everyone, and by everyone I mean everyone, who puts their faith and trust in Him, and Him alone can stand in full confidence of God's forgiveness. And here's what the promise is, that you are guaranteed full access to return to perfect unity by simply believing in Christ and Christ alone. You are receiving life. Yes, life. This is the gospel. God, our sins, paying everyone life. The Bible is more than a book. It's a piece of God's mind given to us to unlock the secrets of the kingdom. I feel compelled to equip you with what you need to be successful in making a commitment to read the Word. So if you do not own a Bible today, we have a free Bible to give to you. They're out in the foyer on a table out there. Please take one. If you have a friend that you'd like to give one to, please take it. The only people I ask not to take is if it's going to look good on your shelf and just sit there and collect dust. Don't take one uh, if that's you. But if you really would like a Bible and you want to make that commitment, take a Bible on your way out. Um, We'd be glad for you to have that gift. Would you stand with me? Um, this isn't necessarily a um, altar type message. I'm going to just give you a blessing, and uh, if you need if you need prayer for anything, uh, the pastors or the elders will be around that y- you can pray with them. So, would you lift your hand and let me give you a blessing? May God the Father, who loves us so much, and sent Jesus Christ to die for our sins. Uh, may He rule and reign in our lives. Through his righteousness and his power, may he transform our lives. This year, as we walk forward boldly into 2012, I pray that we are transformed by the renewing and the power of the Holy Spirit as he teaches us and guides us and leads us through his word. And we make a commitment to him today to to, to, to stay focused and to get into our word and learn about him. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed.